Good morning again. I'm excited about today's sermon because it's one uh, that's interactive. You get to participate as much as you would like to or as much as you want. So if you would indulge me and find something to write with, that's probably a pencil in the front of your pew. Uh, If you're more digitally inclined, you might use your phone. If you're joining us online, feel free to take some notes uh, on your laptop. However you want to remember our time together today. And as you get your materials, I want you to relax your shoulders with me. I want you to take a deep breath, start to get comfortable and confident about who you are in this particular moment. I want you to commit with me to being honest. Now, you don't have to commit to being honest with me. You don't have to commit to being honest with your spouse or your kids or anyone else here in the sanctuary. The only honesty that you have to commit to is between you and God. Throughout my sermon today, I'm going to walk us through the experiences of Peter. And while doing so, I'm going to ask some questions that only you and God know the answers to. And I will even try to actively pause to give you a second to write so that you can actually remember the things that I am asking. Amen? All right. So, as we're all aware, Christmas was last week, and whenever I celebrate the birth of Christ, I can't help but think about why he was born, which is to die and bring our salvation. And so I went back and I read the story of his final days, and I found myself particularly struck by Peter and his role. When we come to today's verses, Jesus has been arrested and taken off to face trial, Peter, being Peter, has followed closely behind, and now he is waiting in the courtyard of the high priest when on three separate occasions he is asked if he knows God, and on three separate occasions he says that he does not know Christ. After the third time, the Bible tells us that the rooster crowed and Peter went out and wept bitterly. The Passion Translation says that upon remembering Jesus' prophecy, that with a shattered heart, Peter left the courtyard sobbing with bitter tears. With a shattered heart, he left the courtyard. Reading this, I couldn't help but feel empathy and understanding for Peter. Growing up, I was always taught this message in a way that emphasized Peter's weakness, his inability to keep his word, how terrible he was for abandoning God. And I can still see all of those elements. I think that they are present there. I do see them. But what sent a pang through my chest was thinking about where Peter found himself in that moment. I have found myself like Peter where my actions and my morals didn't quite align and all I could do was weep. And if pastoral life has taught me anything, it is that you also have found yourself at that space in those moments more than once in your life. The grief and the disappointment and the shame that he felt from within, I empathize with those feelings and they cause me to ponder, what do we do when we find ourselves in the space where our actions and our morals do not align? So that is my guiding question. That is my first question. I will shut up for at least 15 seconds so you can write it down. What do we do when we find ourselves in the space where our actions and our morals do not align. The answer for me is found in Peter's story. 
His story gives us guidance on how to plan our exit from that space. This planning is crucial because 2024 is around the corner, as we know, and all of those seeds that we planted the last time I was up here in January, they are going to bring a spring harvest, and we must get ready for what God has in store for us. Let me be the first to tell you that 2024 is your year, but you must get ready for what God has in store for you. Peter's story is a reminder that the exit must be planned. See, Peter is a man of both passion and complication. As a quick refresher, Peter's always the first disciple listed. Peter's the one who walked on water. Peter's the one who gets to witness certain miracles throughout Jesus's ministry. Before Jesus is arrested, he's the one who gets to spend time with him. And then when the arrest happens, Peter is the one who is there ready to defend him. He's the one who promises never to betray him or forsake him, that instead he would die for him. We know Peter. Amen? Amen. And because we know Peter, we also know that while he walked on water, he got scared of the wind and he started to sink. We know that even though he got to spend time with Christ before his arrest, that instead of praying, he fell asleep. We know that his idea of defending Christ was to slice off somebody's ear. So while there's always this passion, there's always this complication and a bit of misunderstanding for Peter about his role in the world. And even with this, I think that Peter is doing his best. On the night that he denies Christ, I think that that Peter is trying his best. The other disciples have scattered, whereas Peter is actually trying to stay near to Christ. That is why he is there and he has followed him in the first place. But again, this mix of passion and complication starts to show back up. And while he is physically near Christ, he is emotionally already far away. See, in order for Peter to deny Jesus, Peter had already separated himself emotionally somewhere in his mind. See, at some point in seeing Jesus mistreated, Peter started to subconsciously say, my safety is more important than yours. See, like Simon Peter, so many of us think that we are near the Messiah, but actually emotionally we have separated ourselves worrying about our own individual safety. But saints, let me tell you something about safety. It only works if the least among us have it. It only works if the least among us have it. A comrade recently told me, if you don't keep me safe, your days are numbered. We need each other. It is not enough for us to convene here on Sunday if someone dies on the corner Monday. Peter didn't want to experience the pain of connection. There is pain in being associated with folks, especially when they are at their lowest. There is pain in being present with someone, but it is absolutely necessary. Because the thing about connection is you do not get to experience me at my best if you are not willing to also sit with me at my worst. Peter wanted the pleasure of connection, but he did not want to experience the pain. So my second question to us today is, will we deny Christ and thus will we deny the pain of connection? Will we deny Christ and thus the pain of connection? I don't mean when I ask that question, if someone is gonna persecute us for being Christians, because we know Christian privilege is real, but I mean we are living in a time where our bodies and our lives and our livelihoods will be called upon for us to stand on our morals. And saints, let me remind you that we must adequately prepare ourselves for the fortitude it is going to take to stand on what we believe. 
I come to you not speaking in hypotheticals, but as we are here, children are dying where our Savior was born. Fascism and authoritarianism are raging their way in our lives, and our fellow humans are dying at its hands. Now is the time to align our actions with our morals. We have a demand to speak out because we have been given the ultimate gift of Jesus plus the privilege of U.S. occupation. Thus, in 2024, we must be intentional by identifying the moments when we miss the mark. We must say we have to plan our way out of that space. Luckily for us, Peter's story gives us three prime ways. I swear I'm still on Peter. I'm getting somewhere. First, Peter had people around him giving him warning. Christ told him at the Last Supper, Peter, look out for the crow. Like Jesus told him, Peter, watch the the crow, right? So my question, my third question to us today is, what has God given us clear warning about? What has God given us clear warning about that we aren't listening to? Peter knew that the rooster was there and he still insisted that he wouldn't betray God. What in your life have you been giving clear warning about? In addition to Christ, the folks in the courtyard repeatedly asked him, wasn't he a follower of Christ? Some read this with an emphasis on the potential for violence, that folks wanted to snatch up Peter too. But I like to read this, that they were giving Peter a chance to remember who he was that they were giving Peter a chance to remember whose he was and whom he belonged to. I think they were asking because Peter needed an opportunity to remember that he was indeed Jesus's favorite, that he was indeed associated with the Most High. Each of us daily are given opportunities to remember that we are God's favorite. And if no one has ever told you, let me be the first to tell you, you are indeed God's favorite. Saints, let me remind you that regardless of any circumstances, regardless if we seem surrounded by the enemies like Peter, that we are actually totally associated with someone really important. Think about the folks in your life that help you remember who you are associated with. Like Peter, they might be actually someone out to get you, but they have a place in your story, so write their name down too. Write down the folks that bring out the joy in you, that bring out the smiles in you. Write down those folks who remind you, you are Christ's beloved. You are going to need to call on those people in 2024. There's a few folks actually writing, so I was trying to give them time to get their names down. Second part of Peter's story is that he reminds us to get in touch with our senses. Again, I told you, uh, oh, yeah, again, I told you Jesus said, look out for the crow, Peter, right? The crow here plays an integral role in this story because it was a signifier for Peter that he had something to do. Again, there is a signifier in your life like the rooster. Who is that for you? Who is your rooster? What is your rooster? What is reminding you when you hear it, oh, this is not actually who I am and I need to come back to myself. The rooster had a role to play and each of us has a rooster in our life. Again, for me, this story is about the denial, but it's also again about that wake up call, about coming back into our bodies, coming back into relationship with God. And when we return to our bodies, when we make room to fully feel the depth of those moments, we can be like Peter, we can hear that rooster and we can go out and we can weep. Peter goes out and he weeps. He goes out and he sits with his feelings. Likewise, we must disconnect. 
We must grieve that our intentions did not align and then we must repent. That moment, this part of the exit plan is crucial because if we do not sit in the darkness, we can never know when the light bulb has went off. We must be quiet so we can truly hear God, so we can truly continue to emotionally and spiritually elevate. The exit and out is not so, John, that I can think that you are a good person or so people can think that this church is a special place, but we do it because we know that God has something better for us on the other side. God has something else for us just like he did for Peter. He has given each of us a direction and he wants me to ensure that you know that something else is coming, that this isn't the best that God has to offer us. And so often when we think about the best that God has to offer us, we think about our cars and our money and our prestige, but what God has to offer us per usual is a good moral compass. I am never here about money. I think you all know that by now. When we say, when I say plan the exit, we must know where we are going. We need guidance to get through this next phase because let me reassure you saints, we will be restored in 2024. We will be restored in 2024, but we must plan for that exit. We must turn on our turn signal because our exit is coming up. We must let others know where we are going. The exit is coming. It is just a few hours away. 2024 is our year of restoration. And saints, we were either going to have faith or we won't. We'll either think God is who he is or we won't. We'll either know God is real and not an intellectual project or we won't. But at the end of the day, it is in our best interest to start thinking something different is possible. We better stop being like Peter and stop letting fear get the best of us. We'd better stop letting uh, other people's pains distance us because when we witness other people's pains, we will either empathize and do something or it'll cause ourselves to distance ourselves so it doesn't happen to us. We have to decide which kind of planning we want to do, planning that gives into the privilege of pleasure or planning that gives into the centering of those who need us most. See, the thing about Peter is what made him recognizable to others and those who follow Christ is the same thing he used to deny Jesus. That same accent and that same voice that called him out is the same thing he said, I don't actually know that man. He couldn't even bring himself to say, Jesus, I don't know that man. I'm telling us today to not be like Peter, not use the thing that God has given us to actually deny Christ. The Gospel of John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And so I believe that in the beginning of any conceptualization of time, Jesus knew that he would be born a little baby in Bethlehem, the same Bethlehem that canceled Christmas last week. He knew that he would go on to exit this world so that he could begin a new one. He knew that he was coming so that he could go. I think about Jesus spending his childhood and his teens and then his 20s thinking about his ending coming. And the verses before we read for today, they tell us that the night before he died, he knew that something was coming and that's why he wanted Peter to pray with him in the first place, that he was worried and troubled. And I think maybe even a little bit that he felt a little bit of fear, but nonetheless, he knew that his exit was important because to leave something meant something else was to come forth. Jesus' death every Easter, as we are told, is the beginning of true life, everlasting life. And Jesus said, something must die, so something must live. And just like that, there are parts of us this year that must die, so then 2020 we can actually begin to live. Planning the exit requires truth-telling. It requires refusing to busy ourselves with distraction. It requires us not convincing ourselves that our committees and our conferences and our programming is the work of Jesus. And I share all this as good news. I swear I share all of this as good news. 
We have good news because Christ was born. There is no reason for us to be sad, and I'm not talking about spiritual bypassing. What I'm talking about is a deep, deep faith that we know will carry us over and under, and more importantly, through. What I'm talking about is a faith that Jesus is already here, that he was born, that he is not dead. What I'm talking about is that there is no need for us to deny Christ. He predicted the actions of Peter. He knows what we are going to do. And just like he said, every knee shall bow. We have work to do. And I'm not talking about some Christian supremacy. I'm talking about a reign of justice and love, a crown filled with the jewels of equality that we place down, that anything that shall try to go against it shall not prosper. What we are talking about in 2024 is liberation and love. Saints, this is good news. And again, I do not consider myself to be one of those prophetic preachers, but I do believe if you take even five minutes today before this year ends and you silence yourself, that God will reveal God's self to you. I know that in 2024, we will see things that we have never seen before. And I'm not referring to the election. I'm not referring to the despair or the destruction, but we are actually going to see things that we have never seen in our lifetime. And again, I am talking about something that has to do with revolution. Something so disruptive, so out of the ordinary for our everyday that we'll be shaken and stirred to our core that the only option we will have will be to stop and praise God. Saints, 2023 is over. Let us march out of this year, leaving behind fear. Let us leave behind the fear of speaking out about what we know to be true. Let us walk into 2024 knowing that we have what it takes to plan our exit. Amen.